Welcome to Think Bible, the podcast that exists to challenge, edify, and encourage Christian women to think and live biblically, all for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome, friends, to the Think Bible podcast. Uh, I'm Stephanie Smith, joining you today, and I appreciate your time. Thank you for tuning in and for listening. So as we've progressed through 2022, our goal at Think Bible has been to focus on discipleship. We've talked about topics like salvation, evangelism, uh, the two church ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. We've talked about seeing God in creation, about internet safety, submission and obedience to God, the sanctity of human life, and specifically now we're on Bible study. We've even done a verse-by-verse study of Psalm 84, not only to learn the content of this psalm, but also to give an example of what a Bible study can and should look like. So to continue and eventually wrap up this section on Bible study, I wanted to give you kind of an overview on how to read and study and interpret the various genres of scripture. Rebecca Brock started us off on this theme with her podcast on promises. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, head over to your favorite podcast player and do so. It's called Every Promise in the Book is Mine. Yes, there's a question mark at the end there on purpose because she helps us examine um, all the promises in the Bible and are we able to apply those to our lives today? So she gave us three examples and talked us through it. It was very helpful in understanding the context of various passages and how they're to be used in our lives and in our spiritual walk. So that aired on March 16th. Just as a side note, you may have noticed that on the website, there are only five podcast episodes listed at a time. That's just the amount that my website host can handle at once. However, all of the episodes from clear back in September when we very first started, they're all still available on the different platforms that distribute the podcast. So that would be Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, more. So um, if you're using a specific platform that doesn't carry Think Bible, please let me know about that and I will try to get it added. But you can find all the episodes and there's one every week since September 1st, um, specifically through those podcast players. Anyway, so Bible study and the various genres of scripture. Um, I want to go ahead and look at a few more of these over the next few weeks. I'm not sure exactly how long this is going to take us, so you'll have to bear with me as I'm working my way through. But I want to consider things like the narratives in the Bible, uh, parables, poetry, prophecy, apocalyptic literature, the law, the New Testament letters, even things like genealogies. What are the unique characteristics of each? And what do I need to understand in order to properly interpret those passages? And most importantly, how do they apply to me today? Well, in order to start, I want to share just a few principles about the Bible in general, 
that will give us a really good foundation. Much of this information has been gleaned through my own Bible study and through teaching and preaching I've heard over the past 30 years or more, Um, but a good bit of it comes from a website called The Bible Project. If you aren't familiar with The Bible Project, I would highly encourage you to visit their page and spend some time exploring there. Now, I do want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, The creators of the Bible Project are approaching scripture with a covenant theology in mind, rather than a dispensational theology. Um, If that doesn't mean anything to you, just know that I don't hold to every single thing that's taught on that website. And I am a dispensationalist, um, so, but I do believe that God is dealing with us on the basis of his love and his grace, not necessarily on the basis of Old Testament covenants. So, for example, I don't believe that the church replaces Israel in the promises that are given in the Old Testament. Um, anyway, but the Bible Project does have a ton of resources And it is very helpful in getting kind of a big picture view of the Bible. Um, So often, you know, we try to have a quick devotion in the morning. And so one day we're pulling a verse out of Isaiah. And the next day we read a, a small section of Ephesians. And then we grab a verse from Psalms. And we kind of get this just disjointed view of what God is explaining and teaching us in Scripture. And sometimes it's good to just step back and get the big picture. And that's what the Bible Project has been really helpful in doing in my life. Uh, Much of their information is even helpful in teaching children. So they have just done a really great job of making the Bible accessible to everyone. Okay, so let's get started. As I just said, the Bible is a unified story beginning to end. Um... It's indeed a Jewish history composed of the Torah, which would also be called the law, the prophets, and the writings. The prophets would be the prophecies of the Old and some New Testament, and then the writings would be everything else. It encompasses 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. But its message is one. It's the story of how God created the world and everything in it in peace, perfection, order. Remember in creation, he said that he looked at it and he saw that everything was good. But just by one wrong choice, Adam destroyed that for everyone and everything. God cursed the earth, everything in it, and all of mankind, just as he had said he would if Adam and Eve disobeyed his command. All of that happens in just the first few chapters of Genesis. So the rest of the Bible is the epic story of how God uses Israel to restore the world to peace, perfection, and order, just as it was at the beginning, and how he does that one life at a time. We know that God used Abraham's descendants to bring Jesus Christ into the world. Jesus is the central figure and the main point of the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we read the book with Christ in mind. 
That should be the first thing we look for as we're reading scripture. He is the one that came to restore us to our originally intended design of fellowship with God. And how did he do this? Well, we've just come through the Easter season where we celebrate the gospel. Jesus came to earth in human form. Though he was still God, he became a human. It's impossible for us to fathom or understand. We believe it by faith because his word tells us so. So while he was on this earth, Jesus lived a sinless life, teaching all who would listen that God wanted to restore his relationship with them. Then Jesus willingly died on the cross, not for any wrong he had done, but to take the punishment for our sin. And he rose on the third day in victory over that sin, over Satan, over death. So when we place our faith in him, he saves us. He rescues us from our just, our right penalty, and presents himself to God the Father on our behalf. And he welcomes us home with him for eternity. So how did God choose to reveal that story to us? And I say story loosely. I don't want you to think of it as a fiction or as a made-up story. It's fact. It's, it's actual and true. And he revealed it through his written word. While the Bible tells us everything we need to know God personally, it does not answer all our questions. There are times when we come away from the reading with more questions than answers. But that's okay, because it is drawing us into a closer fellowship with him. We can ask God, why did you choose to do such and such in this case? And his answer is often, just keep getting to know me better because I want you to understand my heart. And we do that through continuing to study. So the Bible is comprised of narrative, which covers approximately 43% of the book. And then poetry, it's about 33%. And prose discourse, those are things like speeches and letters, fill about the remaining 24%. Of course, each of those broad categories can be broken down into smaller sections or types of literature. For example, biblical narrative can be subcategorized into sections like history, parables, or biographies. Most books of the Bible have a primary style, but within that style, you'll often find examples of other types of writing. An example of this is Isaiah. While it is a book of prophecy, there are large sections of poetry within that book. It's also important to recognize and realize that the Bible is a book of ancient Jewish meditation literature. What on earth does that mean? Well, ancient and Jewish, those parts aren't so hard to understand. Meditation literature is defined as a written work or a discourse intended to express its author's reflections or to guide others in contemplation. In other words, it's intended to direct readers into a deeper thought and consideration of its author, not its human authors, but God, and its message, which is essentially the gospel. The Bible is not a modern-day novel. 
and this means several things for us as readers. Number one, it lacks the detail that we are accustomed to in Western writing. The Bible often does not describe the setting of a story, or the appearance of characters, or the thought processes that motivate certain choices and actions. Sometimes it does give those insights, but this further makes the point that every detail we do receive is vital to the message that God wants to communicate to us. So the fact that Saul looked good to the human eye is important in his story, because God wants us to understand that the inner man is far more important than the outward appearance of that man. And there are lots of other examples to prove this same point. The second thing we need to realize is there are certain cultural assumptions made in the Bible that we need to be aware of. For example, the Jewish culture is a very agricultural one. Everyone would have been familiar with the practices of farming, shepherding, uh, growing grain and breaking baking bread from scratch, and other tasks such as those. In our modern world, many of us are quite removed from any of these traditions, but we must understand them in order to properly interpret scripture. John 15 is a really good example of this. I am the vine, ye are the branches. You know that passage. Well, the Jewish people understood the art of grape growing and harvesting how the branches had to be pruned, how if a branch broke off from the vine, it would no longer thrive. Another example, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Many of the Jewish people were shepherds, so they understood that. Or, I am the bread of life. Every Jewish housewife baked bread weekly, if not daily. And on and on, the Bible gives us these images and stories related to the Jewish culture. But they also apply to our spiritual lives. The Bible is for everyone, and even simple farmers and shepherds can understand its lessons. A third thing that's important for us to recognize is that in the Bible, God gives us many invitations to learn more. He will introduce a theme early in the book and gradually reveal more and more of it throughout the scriptures, across the centuries, and in the lives of many different characters. For example, just in the first few chapters of Genesis, we're introduced to the ideas of trees, water, bread, offspring, and these themes that are introduced at the very beginning will reappear frequently. Let's just look at the tree for a second. Of course, it's part of creation, and then we first see it in the Garden of Eden, um, where the garden is full of trees until God tells Adam and Eve, there's one tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you may not eat of, and there was the tree of life as well. Let's fast forward a little ways to Abraham. Um, Abraham, when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac, had to carry wood up the mountain to um, make that sacrifice, to build the fire. I I believe it was Isaac that carried it on his back. How about in Moses' time? Well, Moses had a rod made of wood. Um, And when the Israelites sinned, 
God sent a plague to judge them, he told Moses to put a bronze serpent upon that wooden rod, or another wooden rod, for their salvation. That's an interesting connection. In Psalms, God uses a fruitful, well-watered tree as the image of a man who's walking closely with him. In the New Testament, of course, the obvious one, we have the cross. Remember, the hymn writer said the cross was the emblem of suffering and shame in that song, The Old Rugged Cross. But actually, the cross became the sign of salvation, of God's grace and his love to mankind. And finally, at the end of the book in Revelation, we see the tree of life found in heaven. So you can see how the continuity and the development of this theme of trees carries through the entire book. And that happens repeatedly with many different themes. Another important thing to keep in mind when reading scripture is that the ambiguity often used throughout it forces the true seeker to keep reading and to interpret each part of the big story in light of the other parts. So, as we just talked about trees, we understand the cross better by knowing that Genesis 3 narrative. When God said to the serpent, He shall bruise your head, but you shall bruise his heel. Um, Knowing about Moses lifting up the serpent on the rod teaches us more about the cross in the New Testament. So we better appreciate the sacrifice of Jesus and what he became on our behalf. Um, Even the veil in the temple being rent in two at Jesus's death. If we've already studied the Torah and we see the sacrificial system that's implemented by God and the holiness of God that was only found behind that veil until that day. So the more we learn of scripture, the more we will understand its unified, central message. Just a couple more thoughts. Knowing the Bible is a lifelong pursuit. It will take all of your life, and there will still be things that you have not seen or understood from it. But that's okay. The benefit and the beauty are in starting the journey and allowing God to reveal himself to you in his way and with his timing. And finally, one one more thing that I think is maybe a key that a lot of Christians miss, and that is meditation. When I called the Bible a book of ancient Jewish meditation literature, it might have scared some of you, because we tend to think of meditation as a an Eastern religion practice, um, you know, where you sit with your legs crossed and your fingers clasped together and you hum or something, but that's not biblical meditation. Um, many Christians are fond of reading the Bible through each, each year. And many of us love to hear preaching and teaching or attend special services or Bible studies. Some of us practice the habit of personal Bible study, which is so important, but I really know very few believers who faithfully and consistently meditate on God's word. Well, what is biblical meditation then? Literally, it means to mutter or to speak quietly to oneself. I've heard others define it as a spiritual chewing the cud or bringing to mind the things you've studied or heard and then mulling them over, just looking at this one subject from every angle imaginable, considering every aspect to the topic. 
It's just not a hard thing to do, but it does require some discipline and some habit training. Meditation is actually quite natural for most people. We consider all the things possible about certain events in our lives, certain words that we spoke or that were spoken to us, specific people that we've come in contact with, and how that person influences us, either for good or bad. But unfortunately, the meditation we naturally participate is frequently not biblical. Rather, we turn it into fear, anxiety, and worry. We start a lot of thoughts with the what-if or the if-only scenarios. But you see where those thoughts lead us. Rather than directing our thoughts to God, we begin to take on burdens that we cannot bear and problems we cannot solve. But instead, let's focus and train our minds to think on the things of God, to meditate on His Word. Here are a few questions to help you get started. How should I respond to what God has shown me about myself from His Word today? What can I learn about God from this specific passage? How does this truth relate to the rest of the Bible or to a specific passage that I read or studied earlier? What sin is God asking me to forsake? What promise of God can I claim? How could I act, react, speak, or think more like Jesus in this particular situation? What character trait of God is evident through this story? You see how we can just turn our minds to focusing more on God, on His Son Jesus, and on the message that He's trying to give us from His Word. Um, as we finish our studying or after we hear a message each week and and each day. So I hope this um, podcast has given you some things to think about, some things to consider. I hope it has opened your eyes to kind of seeing the broader picture, the big story of the Bible and how God has brought it to us Um Not to condemn us, he says, but because he loves us and wants to save us and rescue us from ourselves. So next time we're going to look specifically um, at at one of the genres in scripture, the biblical narrative. Until then, I hope you have a great week and thanks again for joining us. You've been listening to the Think Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Please visit us at our website, www.thinkbible.online, to learn more about our ministry or to take advantage of the resources we have there for you. That's www.thinkbible.online. You can also find us at Facebook. Instagram or Twitter with the name Think Bible. Until next time, let's all think and live biblically for the glory of God.